Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hello, welcome back to another spellbinding episode of College Football Sports Tonight. And I said the title backwards, so here we go again. Uh, I'm Jim Johnson, along with our college football expert from Baltimore Sports and Life, Mike Lowe. Mike, I got your name right. How are you doing? I'm great. Like you, Jim, I am absolutely spellbound because we have got <laughs> an amazing slate of games this weekend to talk about. Uh, more than... More than we typically do, five uh, matchups against uh, ranked head-to-head -to -head ranked teams. And I honestly can't remember the last time we had that many in one week. Um, I'm sure it's happened before, but I don't remember when it was. Well, it's a very promising week, but before we get into that, let's take a look back. You can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been, right? So um, what was your favorite game last week? Oh, well, gosh, there were there were a couple of really good ones um, of the ones that I, uh, you know, actually sat and viewed myself. I, I actually enjoyed the Maryland game. Um, yeah, that was and, you know, I was I was about this close, you know, after they fumbled that opening kickoff to just shutting it off. There we say, go. Same yeah. old Maryland. And, yeah, but I stuck with it, and um, you know they they showed some heart, and they they hung with Michigan a lot more than I thought they would. Um, my gosh, there were just so many the the, the uh, Wake Forest Clemson game, uh, Oregon Washington State, uh, Texas A and M Arkansas. Um, you know that that one was kind of a crazy one. Um, gosh, you know I, I don't know that I could pick just one, but I know there's got to be one that you want to talk about, and that would be your beloved Appalachian State, and <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, your wife's beloved James Madison Duke. Very good memory. You're absolutely uh, right. As, as I recall, uh, I, I I didn't see that one, but uh, I think Appalachian State jumped out to a big lead, and then James Madison scored something like 29 unanswered points to win. Yes, uh, App State was up twenty-eight to three, and uh, when is it about twenty-eight to three? But anyway, um, JMU got it, and then they they dominated the rest of the game, and uh, App State really didn't make much of a push there at the end. They they did get the ball back, but uh, they weren't able to do anything with it, and uh, JMU just just dominated. Now they're not eligible for the Sun Belt. Conference championship this year as they're transitioning they're in that transitional status. You know, it's, it's a good thing for the rest well, of the school. Oh yeah, good, yeah, exactly. You're lucky for the rest of the Sun Belt because I don't think they want any piece of that right now. Absolutely not. Uh, they JMU showed uh, a lot of I, heart. I might want to revoke that invitation. <laughs> yeah. Kick them back. Kick them back down to FCS. Yeah, we we're, we're so just messing with that. We signed up for. Maybe some of the Conference USA. You know. That's more like an exile these days, I guess. But uh, yeah. so you know, my takeaways from that: App State isn't all that good, but well, you don't want to miss any of their games, and you don't want to turn them off. You just exactly. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's just nonstop excitement with them, win or lose. It is. So um, you know, you're waiting for the miracle at the end. Yeah, no miracle this time, and the, you yeah. know, the fans are like, "What? Wait!" You know, so. Uh, so tune in next week on ESPN Plus, more than likely, and yeah. uh, see see that. But uh, so yeah. I actually, yeah, so I actually had an okay week as far as my picks go. Um, if you're looking at it straight up, I was actually uh, four for four straight up oh. uh, against against the spread. Not so hot. I was uh, one win, two losses, and a push. Mm. Um, so that Clemson game. Um, you know, that was, it didn't exactly go down the way I thought it would. Um, I I kind of expected, uh, you know, that Clemson was going to run the ball. And as it turns out, uh, DJ Yoyongalele had his big coming out party and just really had a terrific game throwing it. And they um, needed it, too. They needed it. They needed every bit of that performance uh, to hold off Wake Forest to, um, you know, uh, well, talk more about that when we get into this week's games, but I think, you know, Clemson has some uh, major vulnerabilities on their defense, particularly in the secondary. 
Now they're banged up back there right now, aren't they? They are. They are. They have uh, three guys they were without on Saturday, and it's unknown at this point um, if any of them are coming back for this weekend's game. Um, we'll see. But, you know, um, that could certainly make a difference. Although, you know, at some point, you know, sometimes you'll see, you know, you have a key player out, he comes back and not much changes. So you maybe that's, maybe that's just who Clemson is this year. They're a little bit more vulnerable in defending against the pass. Um, but that's, uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we talk about this weekend's game, but that's uh, something that I think bears watching going forward. Oh. And I, I, I ended up losing that when it was a seven point spread. And uh, I lost because, Clemson or uh, couldn't convert the two-point conversion on when they got the overtime. Uh, the Wake Forest um, lineman batted down a pass. Otherwise, oh. I, I would have at least been two one and one. And then, and then you know the push was in that uh, crazy Texas A and M Arkansas game where uh, you know it looked like Arkansas was going to go in with uh, halftime with a twenty-one-seven lead and well in control of that game. And then uh, K.J. Jefferson just gets the ball knocked out of his hands at the one-yard line, trying to dive over the pile. It goes right to an A&M player. He looks like he's about to get tackled, laterals it uh, to a teammate who just takes off for the end zone. Next thing you know, it's uh, it's 14-13 at halftime. A&M, uh, they bobbled the snap on the extra point attempt. Of course they did. And then, you know, uh, you know one of the uh, – most improbable field goal misses you'll see of all time where the ball just bounces off, not the upright, but the top of the upright. I've never seen that one, yes. I, I, I've not seen that. I, I, I've seen some crazy things happen yes. on field goals, uh, but that, that's a first for me, the top of the upright. Um, but, you know, I, I hate, you know, you don't want to punish Arkansas too much for such a crazy play like that. At least, you know, I, I tried not to when I did my rankings. Um that had to be a tough loss for them. What do you make of Texas A&M at this point? I mean, it, it's they're a really uh, tough team to figure out. Oh, they are, their their offense is just going to really struggle. I think their defense is very good, and uh, now they're without Anaya Smith for the rest of the season. Uh, and you know, he was one of their you know few playmakers that they have on offense um so I, I it could be tough sledding going forward for them uh for the remainder of the season we'll see um but i my my optimism on them in the preseason has pretty much waned um yeah i, I, I feel the waning coming through yeah i i think they're probably looking at another eight and four season which i mean you know May not sound that bad, but for the expectations there, um, that's that's not what they signed up for. Well, and the money they've invested. Precisely. Start, yeah. Starting with the coach. With, yeah. Starting with the coach, his staff, the facilities, yeah. recruiting, yeah, everything. Yeah, they're they're not you know. It's not good thing for the those, They're not spending those millions and millions of dollars uh, for eight wins. Yeah. But I, I I think that's. I, I get the feeling that's what they're looking at this year, about eight and four. That sounds about right, yeah, because they've still got to play Alabama. And, yeah. Uh, so. yeah. They've got some other tough games, um, you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Um, oh, Ole Miss in particular looks tough, don't they? And in fact, yeah, you know, I, I think that game against Mississippi State, which is this Saturday, it's in Starkville. That's a. That's... Stark Vegas is a tough place to play. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I I've been touting Mike Leach and his team all year, and they kind of let me down that a uh, couple weeks ago against LSU, and I think they fell off just about everybody's radar if they were even on it to begin with. But I keep an eye on that game. Well, that would be a game to get them back on the radar for sure. Yeah, I remember you yeah. talking about Mike Leach, the third-year starter. Yeah, yeah, third-year yeah. starting quarterbacks. He has. Yeah, I could pay attention to what you're saying, and I'm not just here for, <laughs> for my pretty face. I, so, I'm not sure that's. A, I'm not sure that's a good thing because so many, so no. much can end up coming back to fight me later on. Well, and I'm also not taking your picks and betting on them. So you know, yeah, just, when, uh, when Mississippi State goes five and seven, I, you're not going to let me forget that. It might come up. <laughs> you never know. It's in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, and uh, staying in that part of the, the country, <clears throat> Kansas State and Oklahoma. 
Oh yeah, gosh, how could I forget that Ooh. one? Uh, I mean, yeah, gosh, Adrian Martin is that that that's easily the comeback story of yeah. the first third of the season so far. Um, Maybe that whole Nebraska mess while he was there wasn't his fault after all. Hmm. Well, I don't think yeah, I don't think it was any one person's fault. No, um, too big of us for any one person. Yo, know, I just that one play. Um, you know, I did. Uh, did you actually see the game? Uh, I saw some clips. I saw the highlights. Okay, okay. Um, you know that it was that one play. They were kind of clinging to a seven-point lead late in the fourth, and they had a third and sixteen. I think they were at their own forty-two, and and it just immediately in my head because you you kind of thought that it was time for a momentum swing. Oklahoma had just scored, and you're like, gosh, if they get the ball back here, you know, you kind of had a good feeling they might tie it up. Yeah. And and you just third and sixteen, and you're like, this is the kind of situation where Adrian Martinez, you know, something would go wrong when he was at Nebraska, um, and I still can't make up my mind, and I I haven't like really dug into the post game press uh, conferences, the question and answers on this play, whether that was uh, you know he. He basically runs for 55 yards. A 55-yard run takes it down inside the five-yard line, and they score two plays later. Um, I haven't made up my mind, just watching that highlight several times, whether he was improvising and just you know took off and ran, or if that was a designed quarterback draw. Um, Boy, that would be a heck of a call on third and 16. It, it was. It was. If that was the call, then... Yeah. Kudos also goes to the Kansas State coaching staff, the offensive coaches there, for because they, uh, I mean, yeah, he he had the field wide open, so he he got that first down easily, and then a lot more obviously. Um, but yeah, that just uh, terrific game for him. Four touchdowns rushing, and you know another one throwing. Um, great redemption story there, and you know Kansas State they. Obviously, have no fear of Oklahoma whatsoever. They've yeah. beaten three of the last four times, so this is certainly nothing new to them. And you know, I I said it in the preseason. I think Kansas State, you know, they may not win the Big Twelve, but I think they're going to have a, something to say about who does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're a tough out. One of those teams nobody wants to play for sure. The uh, we talked last week about Southern Cal and Oregon State, and that turned into a, a very tight, low-scoring, relatively low-scoring game. What did that game tell you about Southern Cal? Yeah. So, now uh, full disclosure, I am not one of the uh, seven people in the whole country that get the Pac-12 network, so I didn't get to see that game. <laughs> yeah, bummer. Huh? Um, you know, I um, I actually. Uh, I, I, maybe I'm going against the grain here. I, I haven't like tried to check everybody else's sentiment. I'm not as uh, hard on USC for that loss, uh, or not loss, for, but for how that game unfolded, as a lot of people might be, uh, because I think for you know, a lot of cases, you know, everybody's like, "Gosh, their offense struggled," and you know, Oregon State is is not some terrific defense. They're not horrible, but they're not really all that good on defense what happened and uh you know i you could kind of see it in some of their previous games there were times where that offense didn't click and apparently it just didn't happen for the first 55 minutes of this game uh the one touchdown they got was set up by um an interception and they had a really short field and then all of a sudden in that 55th minute when they had to have it down four points, they drove 84 yards for the touchdown. Um, what I was more impressed with was their defense. Um, you know, they didn't let them fall out of the game. Uh, you know, if your offense only goes, you know, first almost, you know, you know, three plus whatever quarters, and you've only put up 10 points with USC's defense against a pretty good offense in Oregon State, you're thinking, oh, gosh, this this isn't going to go well for the Trojans. And they kept them in the game. Um, you know, they forced four turnovers, and, you know, they, they didn't give up a whole lot. And so 
that's kind of my takeaway is, okay, you know, I think this was actually a good showing for USC because they proved they could find a way to win when their offense isn't clicking on all cylinders. And that was a concern that I had about that. Now, could they do it against somebody better than Oregon State? I don't know. I mean, Oregon State, you know, again, I, they're a pretty good team, but, you know, they're not upper echelon. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, they're into the Pac-12 schedule now, so... Uh, you know, they got some tough games coming up, uh, but they do avoid, they avoid Washington and Oregon. Uh, but, you know, they still have to play. They got Utah coming up soon, and I think they have to play that one in Salt Lake City. That's going to be a tough one for them. Well, well, and if Saturday was the example of Southern Cal showing that they're that team that finds a way to win, that's a pretty good thing to be. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a uh, and you know when they really need their defense to step up for them, um, they stepped up. And you know I mentioned the turnovers, and really that's been kind of a characteristic of their defense all season. They forced a lot of turnovers. I think they lead the country in interceptions. I, that's not always a very sustainable thing over right. the course of an entire season. Um, but they still they made a lot of plays. Um, when they had to against Oregon State. And so, you know, maybe maybe they're a little bit more for real than I uh, was ready to get them credit for. So, um, you know, kudos to them. I think you know, they're, they're, they're worthy of the accolades thus far. Well, and uh, the, the last game I want to talk about from last week, unless you have any others, would be the Florida-Tennessee game. I think it was the most watched college game on Saturday. Uh, it was gosh, a pretty good game. Yeah. Yeah, that was an that was a terrific game. So yeah, I had uh, you know I had the TV going, and then I got my uh, iPad, so I'm flipping back and forth um, as far as my eyes and attention goes. But yeah, I, I caught most of that game too, and uh, mostly the end. And uh, yeah, I was very impressed with Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, he he kind of pulled himself together, didn't the he? Two he horrible the games, yeah, yeah. After the two horrible games he had against Kentucky and uh, South Florida, and uh, just you know, almost single-handedly kept his team in that game, and so you know, I think he had a terrific day. And of course, you know, obviously, hats off to Tennessee. They proved they're you know, they are a top ten team. They they won the game. They had the one. They. Little dicey there at the end. Um, yeah, that was I. That was a loss for me um, in, in terms of my picks against the spread. But um, you know, they uh, they gave up that last minute touchdown, and then you know you thought, oh, onside kick, and uh, you, you kind of had shades of uh, you know something like App State, North Carolina, happening yeah. again. Uh, I don't think but it wasn't to be. Um, but but yeah. still, um, you know, I I think that was a good game. I think that was a positive for both teams. I know there's no moral victories um, if you're Florida. Um, I think they have a lot of positives to take out of that. And uh, you know, Tennessee, Florida has been their nemesis for a long time. Yeah, they've been their uh, daddy. I think is the way yeah. the kids call it this, these days. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that was absolutely a hump that they needed to get over if they were to ha go on to have a really good season. Well, let's go ahead from that, Mike, and look at our top ten. Um, not not a lot of movement in there, but we've got a little bit. Go ahead and uh, and start firing away with your top ten here, if you want. Yeah. Yeah, I have a little bit of movement because of the Oklahoma loss. Um, so my my top three are the same from last week: uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Not Georgia. When you look at the sto score, had their struggle a bit, but I'm not ready uh, against Kent State last week. Um, I'm not ready to drop them for that. Um, I moved Clemson up to number four. So replace not. Oklahoma, Michigan, yep. uh, number five, yep. Tennessee, number six. They mm. they leapfrogged uh, Kentucky. Kentucky is number seven. Um, I only dropped Oklahoma to number eight. I got Oklahoma State number nine, and I have Utah at number ten, just a little bit above USC, who's number eleven. Okay, my bottom five looks different. I left Kentucky at number six and uh, kept Oklahoma State at 7 and Southern Cal at 8. So I just basically moved 
those three teams up one and dropped Oklahoma out. I dropped them out of my top ten. I have Tennessee at nine, and in ten, boy, that was a tough one for me. I went with NC State. Now, that might only last a week, and we're, we'll talk about why here in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been saying I think they're a really, really solid team. Uh, you know, could they beat Oklahoma? Yeah, right. But uh, they're undefeated. Oklahoma's not. Utah's not. I, I just went with them. And maybe next week NC State's not going to be. But they know they're up out of the top ten. So, so that's why I went with that. But now you have a knucklehead of the week to share with us, don't you? I do, I do. And this is actually a group of people. And I actually don't have names uh, to give to them. However, it is the officiating crew from the Oregon-Washington State game. What did who, they do? Who, who pulled off the opposite of the infamous uh, Colorado-Missouri fifth down and uh, during the series in the second quarter actually took a down away from Washington State. Um, Washington State on first down, um, Cam Ward got called for intentional grounding. And immediately after the play, the down marker flips to second before the official goes to announce the penalty. So the official goes to announce the penalty. It's intentional grounding. It's a spot of the foul and loss of down. And so without running another play, the down marker goes, oh, well, it's third down now. No, it's not. (laughs) But they played on because apparently nobody... Nobody really recognized this problem. So third down, and it was it was long. I think you know, um, I think it was a running play. They only picked up a couple of yards, and so then you know, down marker goes to fourth down, and Washington State punts, and then Fox tosses it to commercial, and they come back, and you see this. You, know, you, you see coaches arguing on the sidelines. You see the officials staring at the little screen here, and you're like, "Well, what happened? There was, you know, there was nothing unusual about that punt." Right. And the the announcers didn't really seem to know what was going on either. Nobody caught this except for the replay official, but he didn't catch it until two plays later. He's like, uh, "Hey guys." Uh-oh. <laughs> And so he he buzzed down to the field, and finally they looked at it, and they're like, yeah, we took it down away from Washington State. And so they actually back up and say, okay, um, you guys really? get one more down. Yeah, they, they re-spotted the ball and say it's third and, like, you know, whatever from here, and they give them one more. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, and the Fox guys, they had uh, – what's his name in the studio? Mike Pereira. Yeah. And they got the explanation for him. He's like, yeah, they can actually do that in this instance. And so I guess they resolved it correctly. In Washington State, they didn't end up getting the first down, so they still ended up punting to Oregon. Um, But he's like, yeah, as long as until Oregon would have actually run a play on offense, they could go back and redo that. It had okay. Oregon had Oregon snapped the ball and run a play, then it would have been too late. But yeah. this just, uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, the Pac-12 has had issues with officiating for years and years and years. And, I, you know, I won't go into a long story, but there's just issues there. And this was just kind of emblematic of that. And so the officiating crew gets my Scott Frost knucklehead of the week, the crew <laughs> from uh, the Oregon-Washington State game. Well, and I'm glad to see that we've immortalized Scott Frost by naming this award after him, which I think is very appropriate. He will not be soon forgotten on this show. No, and, you know, he's 15 million richer, so, I mean, it's, it's hard to yeah. worry about him hurting his feelings, you know. I, I, no, he'll just, you know, go uh, burn some <laughs> yeah. more money somewhere. But, but speaking of deposed coaches, we're three for three, not counting week zero. Boy, I wonder if a coach is ever going to get fired in week zero. I guess it's a matter of time. But, yeah. but um, we, we lost another one last Scott week. Scott Frost came close. Scott, there you go. <laughs> he tried his best. Yes, he did. He really gave it a shot. Um, but uh, Georgia Tech replaced not only head coach Jeff Collins, but the guy who hired him, Ter- uh, Rick Stansberry, the athletic director. Todd, Todd Stansberry. Todd Stansberry, okay, yeah. Um, 
you know, no surprise there. Uh, you know, the, the record screamed, fire me. Uh, yeah. And they just weren't very competitive. But uh, how appealing, Mike, do you think that job is? Um, you know, it's certainly not as appealing as, appealing as Nebraska. And unless the NCAA really drops the hammer hard, it wouldn't be as appealing as Arizona State. Um, I mean, I, Georgia Tech is, is kind of a tough job, obviously. You've, you've got the academic component there. Uh, not only do they have high admission standards, but there are no easy majors at that school. It's an engineering school. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be challenged there academically and, uh, you know, really have to do the work to stay eligible. Um, and, you know, history kind of shows that those schools, um, you know, with the right coach, they can be pretty competitive in a small window, but seldom is it sustained for a very long period of time. And, you know, I point to guys like Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, David Shaw at Stanford. You know, both of those guys, they're both still there. They've been there forever. Both of them have had some great teams at various times over the years. They just can't sustain it it's just hard to do it at schools like that i think georgia tech's kind of in that category um paul johnson did about as good as i think anybody could expect to do and of course you know he was running the triple option which is a little bit of a neutralizer um so you know he he won an acc championship um he also won another division championship um i think he 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 was there what 11 years i think he was there for, wow. I, I know, uh, for for all the years he was there, there were only two seasons where they didn't go to a bowl game. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Oh. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you, they brought Jeff Collins in, and, and he kind of rode in with this promise of, you know, hey, we're going to recruit, you know, we're going to win by recruiting better. You know, we're in Atlanta. Um, you know, this is a hotbed for football talent, and we're going to run a modern offense. And, he sold it really well, but it's kind of um, to use that uh, that whole brand word uh, jargon. Uh, instead of actually building a Georgia Tech brand, he kind of just slapped a bumper sticker on it and said, wow. "Well, this is what we're going to do." And then they didn't do it. Um, yeah. In Texas, yeah. they have a phrase for that: "All hat, no cattle." Yeah, <laughs> so that that was pretty much the Jeff yeah. Collins era in a nutshell. Uh, you know, I, I, there will certainly be some appeal. It's a power five job. Again, you're you're in a major market, Atlanta. You're obviously second fiddle to Georgia, even oh, though yes. they play way out in Athens. Um, but it is there's just a ton of football talent there. Of course, the other downside is not only does Georgia come in there and take top talent, but just about every other SEC, ACC, right. and you know even schools all over the country, you know they want to come get some of the talent out of there. So you've got lots of competition. Um, you know, I from what I understand, the facilities aren't really all that great. They. Um, the ACC, um, in terms of money, is just going to kind of fall farther and farther behind the SEC and Big Ten. Um, so, you know, it if they get a good coach, it would probably be somebody who is looking at it as sort of a stepping stone to the next job. Right. It's so, probably a destination, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so one of two things will happen. Either the next guy they hire will fail or he'll succeed and move on would be my guess. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of interesting names. Um, one I think is a pipe dream. That's Deion Sanders. Um, that doesn't yeah, seem I, like I, a good fit, does it? No, it seems like a poor fit for yeah. on both sides. And I have a feeling whenever you know Dion decides he's ready for a Power Five job, he'll probably get a better offer than Georgia Tech. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe somebody who would be a better fit for him. Uh, the other name is Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator at Georgia. Uh, I think that would actually be a pretty good fit. Um, you know, he has a. Pretty innovative offense. Uh, he obviously knows Atlanta. You know, um, he did pretty well in his brief coaching at uh, Southern Mississippi. Um, you know, he took over a program that went zero and twelve, 
And in his third season, they did win um, a division title in Conference USA, and then he left after that to go to the NFL. Um, yeah, I, I think they could certainly do a lot worse than Todd Munkin. Is Todd Munkin interested in the job? I don't know, but um, he would probably be my first phone call. Uh, but, of course, you know, Georgia Tech's first got to get their AD in there. So, uh, you know, don't, don't run before you uh, learn to walk. Right, and at least they have come out and said that's what they're going to do, which is yeah, obviously what well, you want. Well, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do what we're supposed to do. How about that? Very good. Round of applause. Very round good. Of applause. Good yeah. job, Georgia Tech. Okay. Yeah, nice. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, my thoughts on that. I don't know okay. if you had anything else. Well, just to emphasize, uh, and I think I brought this up on this show before, because uh, I lived in the Atlanta area for three and a half years, and you cannot overemphasize how much Georgia Tech's football program exists in the Georgia Bulldog shadow. Now, Athens isn't that far out. It's about an hour 15, maybe, out of the city. So mm -hmm. it, it's a very drivable distance, and lots of people drive it. So, um, yeah, that, that's tough. And as, as you mentioned, with the money disparity with the SEC and the ACC, and Atlanta's, well, Georgia Tech is basically right in the heart of SEC country, okay. uh, which, you know, also gives them another challenge. But, yeah, I think uh, if, if they could get a hire like Todd Monken, they, they would be about as well off as they could be. And there's no reason why they couldn't be competitive. Yeah. No, and, I, 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 at I, least for a while. Can. We've seen it before. You can compete there. Um, yeah. Like I said, I don't know how long it's sustainable, but you can have, you can be uh, competitive there. Right. Uh, and if you time you know, it right, you know, one of the coach. good things about the you know the ACC is competition-wise, it's not the SEC. And, right. You know, of course, Georgia plays in the Coastal Division, which seem is seemingly anybody's. You know, it's up for grabs pretty much any year. Um, so at the very least, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't get somebody in there that could have them playing for the ACC championship. And, you know, when you get down to one game, who knows? Who knows, right. Yeah. And, and if you're, you know, if you're looking at that as a stepping stone, if you time it right and you, and you peak and get, and get the job offers, then you're going to do very well. And then yeah. it, it works well for the replacement, too, because it's easier to replace a coach that's leaving the winning program than one that is cratered, which... Unfortunately for them, is exactly where they're at right now. Right, it's hard exactly. to dig a deeper crater than they have. This is true. All right, you mentioned at the start of the show we got a big week in college football, and yeah. um, let's. Uh, I guess we let, let's go in chronological order. Okay, attacking these uh, because my favorite game is is the the night game anyway. Out of the five that we talked about, so five games with. with Pitting ranked teams against each other. Kentucky at Ole Miss. Boy, that's an interesting game, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you know how I feel about this one. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Kentucky, uh, here's you know one of the more notable things is they get uh, Chris Rodriguez back for this game. Um, who, yeah, they're running back for they're, they're leading running back for the past two seasons. Uh, he's coming back off a of suspension. Um, so I think that's pretty big because most of their offense up to this point has been Will Levis. And, um, you know, they've only rushed for uh, 81 and a half yards per game so far. So I think getting him back for this game is, is really going to be big. Um, to make them, you know, a little bit more multifaceted on offense and take some pressure off Will Levis. Now, Ole Miss doesn't really have that great of a defense, but um, again, you know, if they can uh, run the ball, which they love to do, uh, you know, I think that's big here. Um, you know, for that reason, I I like uh, Kentucky in this game, and I'm a little surprised to see that they're a seven point underdog. Well, that, that seems like a lot. Yeah, that seems like an awful lot to me. And, um, you know, again, I'll, I'll just kind of reiterate, like from last week, uh, I, I won't have my full picks uh, here today, uh, but go Friday morning, anytime Friday, but I'll get it up uh, by the morning. Go to Baltimore Sports and Life and see me actually go imprint on the record uh, in both, the, you know, straight up and against the spread. But, um I'd feel pretty good about Kentucky in this game. 
And just like the yellow line first down marker on TV, these picks against the spread that we're talking about are unofficial. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it all depends. Yeah, on, it all depends. Well, it all depends, depends on the mark. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the, and, and these lines move. Um, you know, some of them. You know, I, I, some of the ones that I actually uh, gave you yesterday have already changed some. So you, no major movement, but you get a little movement here and there. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I feel pretty good about Kentucky in this game, and um, yeah, especially with uh, Chris Rodriguez back in the fold. And I agree with that. And uh, I, I'm comfortable with Kentucky going in there and winning outright. Um, yeah, maybe Rodriguez's stamina isn't going to be quite what it would be, but still, it, it's yeah. going to be a big back, I think that's uh, yeah. You know, they 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 don't necessarily have to uh, you know feed him 30 times a right. game. Uh, right. And, and Just the threat of him back there is going to help. If nothing else, you know, you know he's going to be pretty fresh. Well, that, that's true. Yes. Now, three thirty, boy, it's a, a big channel flipping day there. Um, Arkansas hosts Alabama, bouncing back from that weird, weird game that they managed to lose a couple of different ways last week at Texas A and M. Uh, Alabama cruised pretty easily last week, and they're going in at around seventeen point favorites. Uh, can Arkansas pull something off here? Do you think? Are they going to be able yeah. to bounce back? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and preface this by saying I don't see Arkansas pulling off the upset here. Um, so, you know, for those who are, are so inclined and interested, though, uh, uh, you know, as far as the spread goes. Um, you know that one. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested in because there. I think there's a couple of forces at play here. Uh, first being, here's a little statistic for you. Since the start of last season, 2021, into this season, uh, Alabama as a true road team is only one in four against the spread, uh, and and in those four losses, none of them were really that close. Uh, the closest one. Uh, when uh, it was Florida um, last season, they, they came up 12 points short of covering. Every other one, they were more than two touchdowns short of covering the spread. I mean, it's not close uh, you know, for them as a road team against the spread. And so, you know, looking at this 17 points, I'm like, well, that's a lot. And, you know, immediately like, well, why do you think that is? And, you know, I have a couple of theories. One, I think they're kind of a victim of their own success. And even Las Vegas is kind of underrating how difficult it is to win on the road in college football. Um, the other one, and you know, feel free to give me your feedback on this one. But, you know, we know Alabama's offensive line hasn't been that great. And so when you get into these stadiums where it's really loud, hostile, and you have to go to a silent snap count, it takes away a little bit of the advantage that your line has against, you know, the defense. And, um, you know, they, they don't really, the point. you know, they, it's essentially everybody's going off the movement of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, that just takes away that, you know, even, you know, maybe not even barely tenth of a second edge, but you know, that can make a lot of a difference. And I'll just throw this out there. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, how, um, how much pressure Bryce Young faced in that Texas game, uh, which was another loud place to go. Uh, take a guess as to what team leads the country in quarterback sacks. Would it be Arkansas? You would be right. Ooh. And it's, they have, uh, in their four games so far, they have 20 sacks, and which is pretty good. They're way out in front. The next closest team only has 16. Okay. Um, and this despite, the, this despite the fact that their pass, pass defense is absolutely horrendous. Um, but they're able to get to the quarterback. Now, maybe, you know, maybe that's because everybody just wants to throw against them and they're willing to you know, take the loss there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's um you know Bryce Young might have to you know do a lot more of his Houdini act which he's obviously very capable of doing um 
but you know that that kind of interested me to you know look at that you know both um, you know Alabama's uh, record against the spread and you know that Arkansas is doing well against um, you know when it comes to pressuring the quarterback they're also pretty good at stopping the run but again their their pass defense is just a sieve now on the other side of this I'm I'm trying to think to myself how is Arkansas going to score points here and it's it's not going to be easy for them because Alabama's not going to let them run the ball, which is what they want to do. Um, I, I, I think they're almost going to sell out to stop the run and force them to beat them throwing the ball. And at that point, you know, the way you can attack Alabama, we saw Texas do this in the first quarter. They did most of their offensive damage in that game in the first quarter when Quinn Ewers was in the game as you know, attacking them downfield. Um, and then when Ewers left the game with the injury, Hudson Card came in, and Texas just wasn't able to do that with Card as quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you need to be able to attack them downfield. Arkansas did that when they played last year in Tuscaloosa in what was, you know, Alabama led that game the whole way, but every time Alabama scored, Arkansas answered. Alabama just was never able to pull away in that game, and Arkansas was attacking them deep. Traylon Burks had eight receptions that day for 179 yards. The problem is Traylon Burks is in the NFL now, yeah. and yeah. nobody has really filled his shoes. They hope that uh, Jaden Hazelwood from the transfer from Oklahoma would do it, but he hasn't done that yet. Um, so I don't know that Arkansas is going to really be able to attack Alabama downfield. And so I'm kind of struggling. I'm like, okay, you know, do we go with the history here, which says, you know, Alabama is not going to blow somebody's doors off when they go on the road in the SEC? Or do we look more at the matchups here and say, well, this looks highly favorable for Alabama. They should be able to blow their doors off. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with that one. My, my gut on that, Mike, is that Arkansas is going to find a way to hang around. I don't see them winning this game. But uh, I think this could be another uh, game that goes in the trend that you mentioned about the spread. I'm not sure that Alabama's going to win by two touchdowns on the field goal either. Uh, I, I'm kind of leaning that way, yeah. yeah. I, I, You know, again, I think, yeah, they're, they're not supposed to, but, you know, you would think Vegas is a little bit more in tune with that, but I think they just kind of overestimate how easy it is to win on the road. Uh, well, and I think a good team... Somebody com- like Alabama. A good team coming off of just a ridiculous loss like Arkansas had last week, and they've got the home crowd in. It's going to be fired up oh, yeah. over that, I fired mean, up by Alabama coming in. Fayetteville. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be, it'll be plenty loud, plenty hostile. Um, you know, this is going to be like all those other road environments Alabama face. And, you know, of, uh, you know, of those four times they didn't cover, they, they won three of those. So, you know, it's not like they aren't winning right. the games. It's right. just, you know, they're, they're just overestimating by how much they're going to win. And I get the feeling, and I'm, I'm kind of leaning in that direction too, but I haven't completely made up my mind yet. Um, but I, I am leaning towards Arkansas covering in this game. Now, another 3.30 game we have uh, Oklahoma State at Baylor, number 9 versus number 16. You know, Baylor kind of fell off some folks' radar after they lost that game to BYU. Uh, they're still thinking they've got a very good chance to win the Big 12, and Oklahoma State obviously has a very good chance to win the Big 12, and both of them, you would think, are even more energized with Oklahoma taking a loss. This ought to be a really, really good football game. It should be, and you know, traditionally they have been uh, recently when these two teams meet. Um, and, you know, I'm... Uh, I was actually a little surprised by the spread uh, on this one too. Uh, Baylor's a two-point favorite. Um, you know, I'm I'm leaning Oklahoma in this one. Um, you know, obviously with two points, it would be to both cover and straight up. I just think they're a little bit better team, and I think an edge that they have here is um, they're coming off a bye week, whereas um, uh, Baylor, you know, they had a they won, but they had a pretty tough game up at Iowa State last week. Um, so for that reason, I, I, I like Oklahoma State in this matchup. I think, uh, you know, they're definitely better offensively. Um, 
you know, Spencer Sanders, um, you know, he, he could, he's actually, he's had a great season so far, but they haven't faced really tough competition just yet. Um, you know, you want to see a little bit more uh, consistency with him, but uh, yeah, I'm li- I like the Cowboys in this game. Well, Baylor's had a pretty tough early season schedule, probably one of the tougher ones in the nation. Um, so yeah, week after week, you know, it, it's tough to answer the bell. Them playing at home is going to obviously help them keep it close. But, yeah, I, I would lean Oklahoma State myself because, you know, like you, I think they're a little bit better football team. Yeah, and, you know, I'd get that extra week to prepare. Um, yeah, that's huge. huge. You know, I, I, I think it could be, yeah, definitely. Now, another game that nobody saw coming as far as a game of consequence uh, in this season, and ABC's got it at 3.30. Wake Forest at Florida State, both of them are ranked, and now, of course, that still seems odd saying it's a surprise that Florida State is ranked, but if you watched them in recent years, trust me, yeah. it is. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, what, 2015, 2016 was maybe the last time they sniffed the top 25. Yeah. Several years going back. They, they, they've been amazing. down for, yeah, they've been down for a while. So, uh, and I, I don't know if the hurricane is going to have any impact on that game. I would say probably not, but it's hard, hard to say. Yeah. Um, so far, there's been no announcement on this game as far as, uh, you know, moving it or, you know, a time change. So I, I think for now, everybody's just kind of keeping their fingers crossed. Well, we haven't talked much about Florida State uh, so far this season. What's your take on them? Obviously, they're off to a, a good start. Uh, do you think yeah. they're a legitimate top 25 team that they're going to be there in November? Um, whether they're there in November, I, I don't, they, they have, um, you know, they're, they're hitting that part of their schedule now where, uh, you know, they get Wake Forest this week. Uh, they get, they travel to NC State next week. And um, then they come back home the very next week, and they get Clemson. Oh, so this this is a big three game stretch for them. They really and need to win this one this week. I I think they do, yeah, because uh, you know I, I think if they come away, um, you know, winning at least one of those three, and preferably two of those three, but you know, they want to get at least one of those. Um, then you know, I think you have to look at them and say, yeah, they're pretty legit. You know, the rest of their schedule, you know, it's not too bad. You know, they do have Miami, but gosh, who knows about them after what we mm-hmm. saw last weekend? And mm. uh, you know, they end the season with Florida. Um, you know, that that won't be an easy game by any means. Nope. At home, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think uh, yeah, we I think. I kind of maybe underestimated just because it was a it was an uneven and not a particularly cleanly played game. Just how uh, you know impressive it was that they beat LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it was just kind of the way they did it. But you know, I I I think I kind of underestimated um, you know how good of a win that was for them, and uh, you know then to go. You know, the very next game, head up to Louisville on a Friday night and lose your starting quarterback and still manage to come back and win. Um, again, very good. They played Boston College last week, and, you know, they're not good. But, you know, kudos to Florida State. They did what you're supposed to do against a lesser opponent. They blew their doors off. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, having them somewhere in that 20 to 25 range and AP's got them at 23, you know, I think that's legit. Um, now, whether or not they can beat Wake Forest, uh, I'm I'm not as confident there. Um, you know, they they're actually a seven point favorite at home, which kind of surprises yeah. me um, because I I'm not so sure that their defense is going to be able to slow slow down that um, that offensive attack for Wake Forest. Conversely, they should be able to score. And so I know we don't talk about over-unders on this one uh, very often, but the over-under on this game right now is at 64, and uh, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm feeling very confident about the over in this game for anybody out there that wants a hot tip. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I, I expect a lot of scoring in this game. Well, I agree with you. I, I think for those reasons, uh, you know, Wake Forest is uh, offense now with Sam Hartman back, and he's obviously in, in, in tip-top form. Uh, they're going to be very hard offense to stop, and their defense is still pretty crappy. As, yeah. Uh, we, and, we saw against Clemson last week. So that yeah. makes for some fun games. Yeah, and the good news for Florida State, um, when they lost Jordan Travis at the game up at Louisville, he, he was able to return um, on Saturday against Boston College and, and played very well. Um, so good news for you know uh, the Seminoles there. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm expecting a shootout. Of course, I expected a shootout with the USC-Oregon State game. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, 17-14. Fire and blanks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I guess technically an upset even though they're a higher ranked team. Uh, I'm gonna lean Wake Forest on this. I think uh, um, I'm definitely leaning Wake to cover. Uh, oh, I'm, yeah. surpri- I'm surprised they're a seven point yeah. underdog in this game, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm strongly leaning on them to cover. Well, it isn't it interesting that Wake Forest is the team that's had more recent success than Florida State, and I think that mindset is going to possibly make the difference in this game on Saturday. It, it very well could. Yes, absolutely. It's another you know, college football weird. Um, yeah. My, my favorite college game... College football has cornered the market on weird. <laughs> well, they, they've certainly got their share of it. My favorite game of the week is the ABC primetime game, NC State at Clemson. And, you know, I've, again, I've been counting NC State. Um, Clemson is, you know... They, they still don't seem like a top-five team, but they are winning every game. And uh, they, they showed, even against a bad defense, they showed surprising firepower last week against Wake Forest. This is a really interesting game. It is. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of looking more <coughs> at the other side of the ball. Um, you have um, you know, Devin Leary, who you know had... A, a terrific season last year and got all kinds of preseason accolades uh, coming into this season. Hasn't been all that great so far this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what it was. I haven't watched their games closely enough, but it seems like maybe um, the protection he's getting isn't quite as good as it was last season. And, you know, that makes sense when you talk about um, Iki Iguanu, you know, off you know, a top 10 NFL draft pick, your left tackle, um, you know, maybe they haven't quite been able to, um, you know, make up for the loss of him yet. Um, the flip side of that is, uh, as we saw Saturday, uh, Clemson's uh, secondary is very vulnerable. Um, you know, particularly they have had some injuries there. Um, yeah, they've, uh, uh, Sheridan Jones, Malcolm Green, you know, they're both cornerbacks. Um, Andrew Macaba, safety, all three of them were out Saturday against um, uh, Wake Forest. And we don't know yet uh, if any of them or some of them will be back for uh, this Saturday's game. So maybe there's an opportunity there for Devin Leary to kind of, you know, get the offense on track there. Um I think that's really what it's going to come down to is, um, you know, this this one is probably going to be a little bit more of a defensive tr- struggle. Can NC State score some points? Um, because, I, you know, I, I feel a lot more confident, obviously, about NC State's defense uh, slowing down Clemson when they have the ball. So, really, it's going to come down to the other side is can NC State score? I'm not sure they can. Um you know, the, the path is there. Um, so we'll see, um, you know, six and a half point spread, um, you know, Clemson's laying six at home. Um, you know, I, I, I like Clemson to win this game. Um, I think it could be close though. I agree. And I think, you know, when you get into a low scoring, probably more defensive oriented game, certainly more so than Clemson Wake Forest last week. Uh, you know, seven points is a, is a lot to throw around there. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think Clemson is going to find a way to win in Death Valley. Uh, but I think uh, State is going to give them everything they can handle, and I think it's going to be a very tight, close, competitive game. Yep. 
I, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll see some uh, good defense in this one. So have you got any under the radar games that are worth mentioning? Oh, absolutely. I always do, Jim. Um, my first one, I, I'm sticking in chronological order because uh, I, I gotta, I'm going to put somebody on upset notice. Uh, this is a Friday night game, Washington uh -huh. at UCLA. Uh -huh. um, the Huskies uh, rank number 15. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and uh, I, I got a feeling about this one because... Uh -huh. It's, uh, you know, it's a Friday night game and, uh, you know, history shows, it, it, you know, especially out here in the Pac-12 with these Friday games, they're not very kind to the road teams. Okay. Uh, um, so I, I kind of have a feeling about this one. And, hey, UCLA might even get about 20,000 people to show up for this game. Who knows? Um, so that's one to keep your eye on if you're looking for a game on Friday. And, I think your dog disagrees with you on that. And uh, the other one uh, I got is um, you got to watch Michigan and Iowa. And um, I, I don't want to watch Michigan and Iowa, Mike. That that is I don't want to watch Iowa play. Yeah, it's uh well you know what it's, it's at Iowa. It's, yeah. it's in Iowa though, and I mean Kinnick Stadium is where top five teams go to die. They are yes, they're over five. In, uh, in their last uh, top five teams in general are. And so I think, uh, you know, strange things can happen. Um, you know, Michigan's an 11-point favorite headed in there. So, uh, you know, at the very least, if you if you want to lay some money on that one, uh, I, I would say Iowa. Well, I got excited when I saw Iowa score, what was it, 24 points last week? Two defensive touchdowns. I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, I got one for you. Actually, I got two okay. for you. Um, Iowa State at Kansas. Now, who, who in their right mind, including people in Iowa State and Kansas, would have thought that game would have any consequence this year? Iowa State's three and one, and Kansas, amazingly enough, is four and zero. Oh. One of those teams is going to come out of there as a serious contender. And the other team, maybe not so much. And who's to say it can't be Kansas sitting at 5-0? What, yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> and uh, also, uh, the App State game, uh, they're playing simple. Yeah, we always got to see. Who's, who's App State playing this week? That's right. 3.30 ESPN+. Plus. Just keep an eye on it. It's probably not a game to sit and watch. Just keep an eye on it and check them in the fourth quarter. That's all I'm going to say about that. Citadel? Sizzle, yes, Sizzle at App State. Okay. Yeah. okay, okay. All right. Well, I guess that's about going to wrap it up for us tonight. Any closing thoughts? Um, gosh, you know, just enjoy the week. Uh, you know, no. once again, and, you know, it's hard to believe we, we've already passed the one-third mark of the season. Um, it's gone by fast. But uh, it's been a lot of fun so far, if you're not entertained, you, you just don't like football. Yeah, college football is just not it. College football is not your sport if you don't yeah. enjoy this, and this that's fine. This is a very entertaining but, uh, season. This is uh, it's been a great season. Well, uh, you know, along Actually, with my and, and you know what, I got I, I guess I got to give one more shout out to okay. uh, the, the Terps. Um, they're actually, I think, they're eight and a half point favorite at home against Michigan State. Who would have thought that? Yeah. You know, uh, and of course, Michigan State tanked last week. Uh, yeah, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. That, nothing like picking team while they're down. Yeah, if if you had told me the Terps would be an eight and a half point favorite uh, against Michigan State before the season began, I I'd, I'd say you you probably go need to you know check yourself in the, yes. the psych ward somewhere or rehab or something. Yeah. But but conversely now. Maryland really needs to win that game if they're going to have anybody thinking that they're at all serious about going more than 6-6 six and six and getting another crappy bowl. Yes, absolutely, yeah. I, I think that's important. I think they, they um, I think this is an important season for them because uh, a lot of their front-line guys are going to be gone next year. Oh. And, um, yeah, yeah, a lot of guys will be moving on. Um, and so, you know, I... 
looking at their schedule now, you know, all these games that you thought were going to be tough, um, you know, Michigan State, Wisconsin, you know, they don't look so tough. Purdue, they don't look so tough. No. Um, you know, looking at the rest of their schedule now that they're past Michigan, the only games I would say, you know, Ohio State, they're not beating them. No. Um, and then, you know, Penn State, you know, I, I oh, don't I know that I don't think they can beat them. But, no. you know, maybe nine and three is not out of the question. Yeah, I, I think anything worse than eight and four would really have to raise dis- questions. At this point, uh, you know, knowing what we know now, yeah, yeah uh, you know, barring some kind of catastrophic injury, right? I, I think, yeah, eight and four, um, you know, anything less than that would be a little disappointing. I, I would think maybe very which is um, which is not the way I would have been thinking when the season no. started. No, we, we don't go into Maryland season thinking they're going to win eight games any time recently. So, uh, but, uh, I just, yeah. just had to talk about the Terps a little bit. Thank you for doing that. I was negligent in not bringing that up myself. So uh, so we'll see how the Terps do, and we'll see uh, check Friday uh, sometime during the day, uh, Baltimore Sports and Life, to get Mike's official picks. And, uh, you know, take him wherever you take him. He's... he's, he's have a little bumpy ride right now, yeah. but he'll come back because he's a guru. That's what gurus yeah. do. So, um, so we hope you enjoyed another fun week of college football. And uh, for Mike Lowe, this is Jim Johnson for Baltimore Sports and Life. Sports Tonight, college football. Thanks for listening. Do it again next week. Absolutely.